0: Welcome to the Thrive Church podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Before I dive into the Word here, uh, Pastor Kevin and Diana, um, you know they're phenomenal people, but also, man, Keith, what a team! One of the testimonies to people's leadership is the team they put around them. The team of leaders, uh, the staff, all the people that serve here, the teams is unbelievable. From the time you pull off the highway to here, to the time you leave, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Pastor Keith and, and Lauren, uh, Pastor Brian and uh, Isabella and Justin, Deanna, and yeah, even Gorby or Mikhail, I've uh, just had a great time. It's almost like I'm in a family reunion. We went out to Wendy's last night and got. Got to chill with you guys. This morning, guys, I'm excited to be here. Um, I get to do this. I kind of pinch myself and say, I get to do this. I turn around and say, man, I get to be here. I get to do this. Are you ready? So this is week three of a four-week season called Necessary Sins. Now, we could probably all agree, right, that uh, murder, rape, stealing, lying. Those are all wrong, right? Kind of black and white. All of us agree that that some sins are really, really wrong. But see, the problem is in our culture, we're tempted to buy into the lie that some sins are just like unavoidable. You just can't get past them. Just can't help it. And we kind of adjust our lives down to allow them in. You say, man, I, I just can't help it. But I want to submit to you today. I want to share to you today, confidently, that I believe that through God's power, out of a life of gratitude and submission, we can overcome and live above those things. Amen? Amen. Over the past two weeks, we've talked about lying, and you've talked about gossip. And at the beginning of each of those sermons, you've been praying one of my favorites. As a matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. feel back the curtain. I pray this in the shower every day. Even today. So what I'd like to do is let's stand together. Would you stand with me? I want us to pray this prayer over our lives. Right out of Psalm 139. It was offered by a man who was far from perfect, but the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Out of Psalm 139, let's pray this together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. One more time. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, we're going to talk about a four-letter word. Lust. And most people would say, all men deal with lust. And I believe this. I believe there's two kind of men on the planet. There's men who deal with lust and they're liars. <laughs> You're in one of those two camps. But in today's world, it's not just a man thing, is it? It's a man and woman thing. It's a human being issue. You see, men may be easily tempted, but women can be easily hooked as well. The Christian Herald said that about one in six women, women, struggle with an addiction to pornography. One in six. Some conservative studies, and I think they're real conservative, say that regarding men, at least half of them, over 50% of us, deal with lust or pornography. But this is the one that gets me. Do you know the highest users and consumers of porn, you know what their age bracket is? Twelve. 17 got everybody's attention so why is this important why should we talk about this in church my grandma used to say if y'all stop talking about it they'd stop doing it I hadn't found that to be true so lovingly and and, and respectfully grandmama I disagree and this morning we're going to talk about it for two reasons first is accessibility I mean, come on, man. Our life is full of screens, right? You got a phone. You got, a, you got an iPad. You got computers. You got, man, everywhere we look, it's just right there, whether you want it or not. Is it true? So it's accessible. But the second thing is even more scary. It's, man, tolerance. We just kind of decided we'll just live with it. We just kind of adopt that part of the culture as if it were normal more than ever before we've just kind of come alongside and co-opted or allowed the culture to co-opt us I heard the story of a pastor who had this guy in his church who was single and he because of the stance the pastor took against lust he left the church he said listen man I'm not hurting anybody it's just me and I can love Jesus and I can watch porn and I can love Jesus and I can masturbate I can love Jesus and it's just all right." and he left the church I used to think that once I got married, all that would stop. Boy, was I in for shock. I can't realize it has very little to do with that. Did anybody think like that? You know, Glory, if you just let me, when I get married, I won't ever have to deal with that again. Wrong. Yeah, Friends, when it comes to the culture standards of lust and sexual sin, we got a choice. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got a choice. Now, with a little more passion. I've got a choice. I get to choose here. We can choose to follow what Jesus says. You see, Jesus gave us an accurate depiction, an accurate picture of who God is, the good and beautiful God. But the world, the dominant culture has a totally different deal. Now, if you're not a Christ follower today, then I just want you to know you're off the hook. But if you're a Christ follower... If we say that we follow Jesus, then we've got to follow Christ fully. My youth pastor used to say this. He said, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. all right. You see, what God says matters because what Jesus said is true. All right. And if what Jesus said is true and I want to follow after Jesus, then what Jesus says is important to me and my life needs to begin to more and more and more align with the life that Jesus lines out. So this morning our first scripture is in Matthew chapter 5. It's a very familiar passage. It's out of the section The, the very first sermon that Jesus preached was called the Sermon on the Mount. Well, that's where we are, right in the middle of it. And so he's talking about this whole issue of a real, it's a 50 cent word, duplicity. It basically means you got two brains. You ever see that movie, The Man with Two Brains? It's like you got two different brains. You got a double mindedness. But before we get into that, who was Jesus' audience that day? Well, if you back up in the very first verse of Matthew chapter 5, it says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Because that's what the rabbis did. That's what the teachers came over and he sat down. Then watch what scripture says. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So who was the audience? Say it again. The disciples wasn't about the big crowd. Jesus drew, he went up the mountain. See, sometimes we need to touch God. Sometimes we need to hear God. Sometimes we need to be touched. Sometimes we need to be taught. In this occasion, Jesus taught. And here's what he said. Now, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, we have the part where he talks about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those blessed, blessed. You know that part? Then there was a section where he talks about how the believers are salt and light, right? Then the next section, he talks about how, you know, I did not come to do away with the Word of God, but I came to extend or fulfill the Word of God and underscore it. And then he starts on this whole deal where he's he's talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection because that's why they were Sadducee. Now the Pharisees, we're talking about religious people. I think we talk about it sometimes we give them a bad rap. These are people that really wanted to follow God but they thought the way to God was by doing right. By obeying the law. So, He comes into this system and he starts talking about, well, you know, you've heard it said this, but here's what I say. You've heard this, this is what I say. Now, the Pharisees were living a duplicitous or a double-minded life. Now, what would the opposite of double-minded be? Say that a little louder, what? What? Single-minded. If I, exactly. You guys are really, really good, by the way. I'm going to tell you, you're going to get an A from me to Pastor Kevin this afternoon. Good. But see, they had an alignment problem. Now, I'm not a mechanic, but have you ever had your tires get out of line on your car? And your life's, start wobbling, going down the road, get 55, whatever that, you know. and Well, you know what? When we get spiritually out of line, our life gets a little, gets a little wobbly, doesn't it? It's gets a little wonky. They had an alignment problem. You know, they said one thing, but they did something. We got a word for that, don't we? We call somebody who says one thing but does something, I would call them a hippa. Yeah, y'all know that word. See, that's the deal. That's what duplicitous means. They claimed to not participate in adultery, yet they were lusting. So they were more concerned about this, how things look on the outside. Is my hair right? Am I having a good hair day or a bad hair day? Am I dressed right? Do I look good? Do I sound good? Do I appear pious? Instead of having a heart after God. Now with that little bit of context, let's look at what Jesus says here. Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard it said, there it is. You've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully... Already committed adultery with her in her heart. What? You kidding me? Do you see what Jesus did? Did you catch it? Everybody in that audience thought they got a pass on this. They thought they got a get out of jail free card here. They thought it didn't apply to them. But it's like, uh uh uh, uh before you think that, big boy. Jesus raises the bar. See the Jews had some 630 plus laws and every day they strove really hard to follow. 630 oppressive laws that nobody could follow. Then Jesus comes by and he says it's not even about the law. If you have bad intent you've broken the law. Oh my gosh. Now suddenly everybody on the mountain is guilty. Me included, by the way. Uh-oh. The message is extremely relevant. Remember that old song? It's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. It's me. I'm undone. Like Isaiah said. And I live among a people who got foul mouths. So here's what it's in. The book of James. Now, to me, one of the coolest things about the Bible James was the half-brother of Jesus because God was Jesus's daddy, right? But Joseph and Mary had a son named James. And the whole time that Jesus was alive, James didn't follow Jesus. But after Jesus died and rose from the grave, guess who became number one disciple? Head of the Jerusalem church, James. Now, have you ever stopped to think about that? To me, one of the most amazing evidences that Jesus is God is that James got saved. He was his brother. He saw him at home. Unbelievable. Half-brother James says this, James 1, 1 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us. Now, that's not a word we use. We're going to come back to that. That's not one we use in conversation a ton which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Do you see the progression? It goes from desire, sinful action, growth to death. In the Bible, most of the time when they talk about sexual sin... They're talking about a broad group of say, kind of like this. Anything that attempts sexual fulfillment outside the covenant bond of marriage between a man and a woman for life. Let me say that again. Sexual sin is anything attempted for sexual gratification outside the bonds of a one-man-one-woman relationship for life that we call marriage. So, so what? sometimes in Bible study, the most important question is not who, what, where, or why, but so what? So what? Here's the deal. Here's the so what. Here's the big idea. Giving in to sexual sin will kill you. All right. It'll kill us. It brings death. Death of what? Death of purity. Yep. Which opens a door for shame. Death of intimacy favorite definition of intimacy is into me see you see if into me see and into you see then into we see and we have intimacy that's what we want but we settle for something less than that we do this is one of those mornings my pastor used to say to me if I ever point my finger this way you got to know there are four more pointing back at me this is one of those mornings y'all I'm talking about I'm in this struggle right here with you. By the way, just call me PT or Pastor Tracy. Do not call me Dr. Reynolds. Or Mr. Reynolds, that's my daddy. Um, If you don't believe it that this leads to death, you just stay on the path you're on and see where it takes you. That is not going to tell you take you any place you really want to go, is it? What we want is intimacy. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. The more we give in to sexual sin, isn't it also true that the deeper we get in, the more it takes to satisfy us? It's just like dope. It's just like drugs. It's just like alcohol. The more you got, the less it satisfies, the more you think you need it. So what's going on here is James has exposed an evil death plot. He's exposed a sinister evil plan, a plan of attack designed to take control of us and to take us out. The word entice is actually a fishing term. Now I tried fishing as a kid a little bit more and I fished a few times and I am absolutely terrible. Terrible. I'm not nearly patient enough to wait on those no stinking fish. And they do stink, but you don't like that neither. And once you catch one, what you going to do with that? I don't like messing with no dead fish and scales and they always, you know, stab you and stuff. Man, and I talk way too much to catch them too. There's that too. The word entice actually comes from a Greek word. We're going to learn a Greek lesson. Turn your neighbor and say, we're going to learn some Greek now. I teach at a college, we have going to learn a little Greek. One word, right? It's deliazzo. That's a great almost sounds like yeah, I'm gonna order that with some spumoni tonight. Some deliazzo. Can I have a double deliazzo? You know? It's a cappuccino. No, it's not. A deliazzo means to trap, to allure, to entice, to hook. Like a fish. So that's all well and good, but guys, how do you do it? I t- this morning, I want to take a couple things. We're gonna talk about how he does it, then we're gonna talk about how we can get better. Are you good with that? Not gonna be long. So, how are we hooked? I'm going to expose this plan. Number one, the first thing is this. You and I are exposed. We're exposed. We get exposed to porn somehow. Somewhere. You or I have been exposed to sexual impurity. And you've all got a story. I remember, I was eight or nine years old on a Boy Scout trip. And my best buddy, Ricky Golden, showed up. And he couldn't wait to show me. Could not wait to show me this little bitty, tiny, about this big, little two-by-two picture of some half-nude woman. And guys, that was over 50 years ago. If I tried really hard, I could remember it. I don't want to remember it. But my brain still remembers that. You know what I'm talking about? It wasn't too many weeks after that that my brother had this big old briefcase. And it had one of those little digital locks on it. And man, I remember one day I hooked you out of school. True story. I'm not proud of this, but I'm telling you the truth. I I decided, you know, I'm not the smartest guy you know, but I can be real. We can be all me. Is that all right? So I'm at home and I found it because I was pretty sure I knew what was in there. And I was not disappointed. Our home address was 310. Guess what the number on that rascal was? It was pretty easy to find that thing. And so now I'm hooked. There was all kind of trash in there that at this point I wish I'd never seen. And over the years, it's been amazing to watch how the delivery systems change, but it's always there. The enemy man, it's, it wants to tell us it's no big deal. It's not going to hurt you. It's a private deal. But the first thing is we're exposed. The second thing is this. Now catch this. This is very, very important. Because of that exposure, we are injured. Say that word. Injured. Hurt. Injured. You start looking at sexuality in a wrong way. We've got a warped mind. We got stinking thinking. You're hurt. I'm hurt, and you probably don't even know it. You are playing injured. Now, how many athletes we got here? Have you ever played injured? Have you ever got hurt, and you should have gone out, but you stayed in? Now, what happens when you do that is that you increase the chances of getting hurt again, and because you're weak, you actually increase the chances of your teammates getting hurt that's right. The enemy says, oh man, what's best is just keep playing hurt. Just keep playing hurt. Ignore it. It'll be okay. That's a lie. You see, in a battle, in a war, we've got military people. Listen to me. Most of the time, they're really not trying to take people out. Because, see, once you're dead, they kind of leave you there for a team to come back and do reconnaissance. But, if I can wound you, it's going to take two, three, or four people to care for you. So now I've not only distracted one, I've distracted three or four people. It's a good plan. The plan hurt. We've been exposed. We're injured. And now we're confused. Confused. In Romans chapter six, Paul talks about, he says, man, the thing I want to do, I don't do. The thing I don't want to do, that's what I do. Do you know what he's talking about? I get that. I understand that. Have you ever been in a place in life where you really wanted to do the right thing? You love Jesus, but you're confused. You're in this situation. Where, listen, I love God. I was that guy. I got saved as a senior in high school. But I had had 17 years of stinking thinking before that. And it didn't just go away. My mind, just like your mind, has being, is being renewed day by day by day. You simultaneously feel excitement and shame all at the same time. Don't you? With lust? Because it gives you such a rush. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. If it wasn't tempting, it wouldn't be called a temptation. We say, man, if if my spouse met all my needs, then I wouldn't, hmm? Or it leads to sexual confusion. We love Jesus, a secret that I hope nobody ever finds out. And I'm leading this double life, duplicity, double-minded. It's a problem. And here's the problem in that, is we don't know where to turn. Who can you talk to about that? I'm in my first position as a youth pastor. I'd gone to direct this big choir I prayed about whether to go there. I'm going there. First year, I got to direct about 450 teenagers at a youth camp. And I left. I had to go to the bathroom. I got off on an exit and went into a truck stop. Walking from that door to the bathroom, I walked through a potpourri. I'd never seen stuff like that. My brother didn't have anything look like that. And I walked in and used the bathroom and came out. And it was planted in my mind. The next time I was in that area, I was tempted to get off there. I didn't do anything with that. I just walked through. But you know, there came a day, if you do that enough, you know, if you give into it. One day I bought one. I felt so guilty. It's a true story. I felt so guilty before I got home. My mama said, you don't ever throw anything out the car window. I was so embarrassed, I found a stretch on the highway and I threw it out the window. Hoping nobody would ever see it. And it gets worse. It gets worse. And if you're in that situation, who are you going to talk to? I was afraid to talk to somebody. else, afraid they'd fire me. And maybe they should have. But you know what I needed? You know what I needed? I needed somebody to come alongside me and say, listen, I'm here to help you. You know, one of the words we use for Holy Spirit, parakletos, means one called alongside to help. One called alongside to help. Somebody that would say, listen, I'm going to walk you with you through that. You're not the first, won't be the last. We've, and like I said, every man deals with it. It's every man's problem, but not every man talks about it. It's most women's problem to some degree or another. We're confused. So many people today are caught in cycles of shame and confusion. They come to church and they can barely lift their hands because they feel the weight of stuff that happened in private. Now we got really quiet in here. Oh. But here's the deal, guys. In every situation, it always, always, always begins with lust. And we all deal with Lust. Lust begins a process that can destroy a marriage and a family and brings death. One of my best friends, I performed their marriage and about a year into it, he had a severe accident on a ski slope and he got got introduced to and addicted to internet pornography. When his wife found out about it, she left and never came back. It was like game over. So don't tell me it doesn't happen. Ask Norman. This morning, guys, I've got some bad news, but I got some good news. I'm sick of the bad news. Let's get to the good news. We say the bad news is this, guys. It's it's a pandemic. Am I stating the obvious this morning? It's a pandemic. Oh, you have either chosen this or it was inflicted upon you. You have We have all received pain from this and confusion from this either by our choices or the choices of people around us or probably both. And I'm preaching better than your amen in so far. But here's the good news. Thank God for the good news. Amen. I'm telling you that by the power of the Holy Spirit And finding a few people who walk alongside you. Looking for people who love Jesus and love me and will speak the truth to me. There's help to be had. There's help to be had. Here's what I know. You don't usually get the answer to this by coming down front and getting prayed for at the end. That's a good start. It's a great start. And we're going to do that today. It's a great start. But there's got to be more. This kind of stuff happens i believe that life transformation happens in small groups saw a t-shirt here last night that jesus was in a small group i like that he was not just one he had 70 which is that's like a small congregation but he had 12 inside the 12 he had 3 and one of those who says i ah, he loves me the best <laughs> and jesus spent a lot of time with the 3 he didn't spend with the 12 he had a small group If Jesus, I'm just, just a thought now. If Jesus needed it, I think Tracy Reynolds needs that. What do you think? How about you? That's where it usually happens, guys. It's life on life. I got three men that invest in my life every week. That's how bad I am. It takes three men to keep me. Terry Ross, Mike Looper, Chris Maxwell. Two of them work with me. One's my best buddy for the last 40 years. He knows everything about me. He's seen me at my very worst and loves me anyway. But he calls out the best in me. You don't need a ton of people. We all have to have somebody like that. My prayer is if you don't have that, you get that. Let me cast a vision today. I want you to imagine with me that what would happen if we, if me and you, would begin to to live a little more free and not take the bait that the enemy puts out there so readily. We'd be flourishing and thriving and people would flock to us because, man, they'd say something is different because the cycles of shame, the cycles of despair, the cycles of hopelessness would be broken. But you see, here's the deal. It's up to you and it's up to me. We have a choice. We can be free. And today I'm praying that there's a bunch of us going to step over the line and begin to walk a little more free. Amen? Amen? Now, the best part, how do we do it? How can I move from bondage to freedom? How can we do it? If you haven't heard anything else, man, hear what I'm saying now. The Apostle Paul writing to the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 4, he says this, they are darkened in their understanding. The lights have gone down low. They're not seen as good as they used to and they're separated from the life of God. Sin separates y'all. Because of what? Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. It's a progression. You see it? Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality. There's that word again. So as to indulge in every kind of impurity. Do you see the progression again? If you sow a thought, you reap an attitude. If you sow an attitude, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a lifestyle. And if you reap a lifestyle, you sow a lifestyle, you reap a destiny. But where did it start? It starts with a a thought. A thought. The first thing I had to tell you this morning, to be healed from the lustful wound is this protect. Two years ago my son-in-law I heard about the motorcycle ministry and I saw one of the guys working on a bike when I came in yesterday afternoon. Uh, we had a huge motorcycle ministry at the first church I served over in Athens, man. It was incredible. CMA is an awesome, awesome thing. A lot of guys came to Jesus and we'd have cycle night and it's nothing like 40, 30, 40 hogs pulling up going, It sounds like the 747 taking off and you're in the engine, you know, and they all pulled up for the services. But he was riding a bike Down Interstate 20, uh, just on the west side of of Atlanta, 65 miles an hour, laid it down and slid under a car. Should have killed him. Six broken ribs, broken collarbone, broken uh, shoulder blade. Road rash from head to toe. A huge gash like 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 a shark bite on his leg. Took months to get over it. Took about a year to totally get over it. He had no brain damage, had no major internal. It was an absolute miracle. The next day, the guys in the, in the ICU were saying, you have no idea. We don't usually have these kind of conversations day if it was the hand of God. But you know what was amazing? You would think, you know, all the broken bones and stuff, that would be the number one. You know what the number one thing they were concerned about? Protecting that wound. It was about not letting this get infected. Not letting that. And you know what? what we're talking about here. We've got to protect our wound. Some of us today are wounded sexually but God heals our wounds so we've got to protect the wound. So how do you do it? In Psalm 119 verse 9 it says, how can a young man or young woman keep their way pure? How can it happen? By taking heed according to the word of God. Another version says by guarding it according to the word of God. Taking heed. I think about that You get in, in the car that I'm, I'm out here driving. You know those idiot lights on you, you know they come for it? They, they, those dashboard deals? The ones that says better get gas, better get gas, better get gas. And then it goes ding, ding, ding. Ding. Mine has a little deal where in, in the Toyota, I got a, a hybrid car and it tells me, man, I had it down to six miles before it ran out of gas, before I got to the gas station. That's just stupid. Now, I knew about it at 300 miles and 350 miles and 400 miles. Yeah, I knew about it. And it went down. I pushed that little thing. I went, uh-oh. And I was gonna, thought I was going to have to use my electric engine to get into it. But no, I got to the gas. I said, thank you, Jesus. And God's going, don't put that on me. <laughs> You know, sometimes we ignore the gauges in our lives. There will be signs in our lives. God's trying to get our attention that something's wrong. One of them, the chief ones, you know, I'll just give you one. You ever had a point in your life where you just didn't have peace about it? You know what I'm talking about? You just didn't feel right about it. Can I just tell you, stop! Don't plow ahead. Don't ignore the gauge. There's a reason for that idiot light. Don't be an idiot. You'll find out why that light came on. Protect it. Guard it. According to the Word of God. See, God's Word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your Word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Put it in my heart. Another time Paul said this. When it comes down to sexual immorality, run. Flee sexual immorality. He says every other sin a man commits are outside the body. But sex is a different deal. When you're dealing with most uh, temptations, you just fight it. He said, not this one. You run. Remember Joseph? He didn't play with it. Potiphar's wife was coming on to him every day more and more. And finally, they're alone and he ran left part of his clothes there and you know what happened you run how can I protect my life here's some practical ways I do. We've got to set up some guardrails in our lives. Now, guardrails on the road are set up there to keep us from running off the road and getting hurt. And they're usually placed in these real strategic places, like bad curves, or if there's a cliff, or you're on a bridge, or on the side of the mountain. And we don't even notice them unless we run off the road and hit one. Anybody ever have one save your life? Well, see, guardrails in our lives, physically, mentally, what are things? Things like. You know, some things we can do? Filter the TV stations we watch. You know, don't watch Skinamax. Um, f- set up a filtered browser. Let somebody else, you can use Triple X Church and have somebody else check your browser. When you use the internet, don't go in a private place publicly. Use it. I don't know about you, but I need these kind of things in my life. I don't handle a lot of unorganized time well, so I don't plan for a whole lot of unorganized time. I plan my day off. I'm always surrounded with people. And you know what the worst day for most pastors is? I'm going to tell a pastor a secret. The day after a big day. I see some heads shaking. The day after a big day. Have you ever found out, man, you can lead worship by playing a keyboard and have the worst fight with my wife on the way home I've ever had? That's a thin line between walking in the spirit and stumbling in the flesh. Amen? Sometimes we just stumble in the spirit and, you know, we've got to learn to protect. But that's not all there is, guys. You know, here's the problem we can either build some guardrails at the top of the cliff or a hospital at the bottom. But most of us choose to put a hospital. We'd rather have a hospital at the bottom than some guardrails at the top. Protect. Don't go in blind. Put people in your life. Go to God. Man, get serious. God, I mean, get real with God. How many of you know that when you tell God your deepest, darkest secret, He doesn't fall off the throne? Like, oh, can't believe that! Holy... I've never come to God and God freak out. He can handle it. He'll love us anyways. Protect. But we got to do more than protect God. Second thing is this. We've got to pursue. We've got to pursue. It says in Ephesians 4, they're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God. I said earlier, sin separates. Sin is actually an archery term. Sin means, you know, to miss the mark. And literally, if you think in terms of, what's that round thing when you do it, you bow and arrow, you get the round thing called the, the, yeah, the target with the bullseye in the middle. So I'm aiming at that thing, twang, and it takes off. And ever how far the arrow lands from the bullseye is the sin. And it doesn't matter if I missed it by this much or by a mile it separates. It's how far we missed the mark. Sin separates. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever this is a dumb question. Have you ever known to do what was right and you did the wrong thing? Have you ever known something was wrong and you did it anyway? How'd you feel? Ooh. Like thousand pounds of sin on a popsicle stick. I felt horrible. I felt felt that there's nothing worse than feeling the separation when you've had a fight with somebody. Is there? To me, that's worse. That's just like, I think that's a bit of what hell's going to feel like. I really do. Separated. Sin separates. But see, to pursue God means I've got to repent. Repent means if I'm going north and Jesus comes into my then I've got to turn around and go the other direction. I've got to head south. It's a 180-degree turn in the other. It's not enough just to play defense. There are teams with great defense, but you still got to score some points if you go win. Amen? In life, we can't just play defense. I've got to play some offense. We've got to run. T- We've got to do some stuff. So pursue literally means to follow in order to overtake. Like that car that came around you and zook around you on the interstate. To chase, to follow closely. To get after it. It's active. It's not accidental. It's active, not passive. It's, it's proactive, not reactive seek God. Matthew 6, 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added. Trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Serve God. Joshua towards the end of his life said, listen, I don't know about you guys but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Get after it. Pray. Worship. relationship with other believers pursue God, serve protect and pursue, say that with me, protect and pursue, again, protect and pursue, it's defense and it's offense, you see the times when we're most vulnerable are the times when I'm not really pursuing God isn't that true, when I'm just kind of going through the motions, settling for the spiritual status quo status quo just means that's the mess we're living in My youth pastors say to me, listen, the time when you don't want to go to church is probably the time you need to go to church the most. Amen? The time when you don't want to read your Bible, Tracy, is when you probably need to read your Bible the most. The time when you don't want to pray is probably the time when you need to pray the most. So we've got to protect. We've got to pursue. But let me give you one more. Here's the bonus. Persevere. By the way, you just need to know this. The other church ain't getting this one today. Only you're, you had to come here to get this point. <laughs> Congratulate yourself, right? I said, man, you got to do one more thing. You got to persevere. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 51, verse 9 says, create in me a clean heart, O God. We prayed it. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. You know, another one says, you know, God, Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. Therefore be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know what guys? I am not what I'm going to be. But I thank God I'm not what I was. Anybody? You get a witness there? I am not what I'm going to be. 1 Corinthians 13 says that we look into a mirror dark. We really don't see what we're going to be. I'm not what we're going to be, but I'm not what I was. We're not what I was. 1 Corinthians 12 says, so if you think you're standing, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has come unto you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Not you're faithful. Not I'm faithful. Not Tracy's faithful. God is faithful who will not allow us to be tempted above that we can bear but will with the temptation create a way of escape so that we can stand under the strain. We can bear up under it. Amen. Would you stand with me? This morning. There are two things we got to do. Some people, this morning, you've got the prayer team coming. And listen, it would be an honor to pray with you that God would just listen. You just say, man, I need to step over that line. I need to make a choice. I I have been running from this. I've not wanted to run. I've been like a cockroach. Every time the light comes on, I go running away. But I'm going to run towards the light. Run towards the light. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, First John says. If we walk in the light as He's in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, purifies us from all sin. So this morning, don't run. Don't wait any longer. Say this with me. Beginning today, I will. Beginning today, I will. So when you come forward and ask them to pray, let that be the beginning. But then the second thing I just encourage you and me to do. Let's get a plan. Let's get a plan, a plan to protect, a plan to pursue, and a plan to persevere. And some specific things that, man, you're going to put in your life. If you're not in a small group, you need to get in a small group. If you just come to Sunday worship, that's a great thing. Thank God for that. If you wonder sometimes why you're struggling, it's because nobody knows your life. Just like me. I don't think I'm a weak man. I think I'm a wise man because I put men around me. I'm not a smart man, but I'm a wise man. I need Jesus and I need friends who love Jesus and will hold me to the promises I've made before and will hold me accountable. Amen? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would pour out of your spirit here, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you, God, that you never wound us except to heal us.